one another, when we don't agree with one another, it's good for us to what we're, what we're going through. But there's different things that, that we are calling keep the change, things that we want to keep that happen through there. And this week, we're going to talk about keeping the change that margin has been established. Everybody say margin. Margin. Margin has been established. When we were forced into our homes and, and happened to be home, it made us slow down, and some of us got some margin in our life, and I want to keep that. You know, one of the worst computer crashes that ever happened was in the year 2000, May 4th. Uh, someone sent a love letter. I heard it was Craig McCormick sending it to Tara. He's sitting over here. Um, but somebody sent a love letter, and when it opened, it instantly affected thousands of files, and then it sent out to all their people and all their computer circles. And this love letter virus was the fastest going virus in the history. It went from Asia to Europe and to back to America in four hours. It shut down the parliament. Parliament of England. It shut down the House of Representatives. It shut down corporations. It replicated itself so quickly that systems overloaded and they shut down and crashed. Do you ever feel like that? Do you ever feel overloaded? Your systems overloaded. Too much information to where we crash. We're a piled on stretched to the limit society that we're chronically rushed, we're chronically late, and people are chronically tired and exhausted. In fact, Job said in Job 3.26, he said, I have no peace, I have no quiet, I have no rest, because trouble just keeps coming like a wave. You might say, what is margin? And what is margin-less? Margin is being 30 minutes late. Margin-less is being 30 minutes late to the doctor's office because you're 20 minutes late getting out of the hairdresser, because you're 10 minutes late dropping off the children at school, and your car ran out of gas, and you forgot your billfold at home. That's margin-less. Margin is having breath at the top of the staircase, money at the end of the month, sanity in your mind after the adolescent years. Margin-less is when a baby's crying, the phone's ringing at the same time, and you're trying to deal with that. Margin is asking a friend or grandma to come over and help. Marginless is carrying a load five pounds heavier than you can lift. Margin is letting that friend carry half that burden with you. Marginless is not having time to finish that book that you're reading on stress. Margin is having been able to read it twice. Marginless is fatigue. Margin is energy. Marginless is red ink. Margin is black ink. Marginless is hurry. Margin is calm. Marginless is our culture. Margin is counterculture. Anybody out there today? Margin is reality. Marginless is reality, but margin can be the rem remedy today. I want you to write this down. Here's the definition of margin. Margin is the space. Everybody say space. Space between my load and my limit. When you walk in that margin that God's created us to walk in, I'm telling you there's lots of benefits to that. One of the benefits of walking in margin is you have peace of mind. You're not in a hurry. You're not worrying all the time. You're relaxing. You're smelling the roses. You're enjoying a little bit. The benefits of margin are you, got better, you have better health. 
The, the unre, unrelenting stress and bad eating makes blood pressure skyrocket and, and causing heart attacks and, and our health begins to fail. Why? Because we need margin in our life to where our body has time to heal. You know, even a race car going 200 miles an hour has to stop at the pit stop and be repaired. Brothers and sisters, let's don't keep running 200 miles an hour and never stop. There's benefit to your health. There's benefit in relationships. You have more time to make it work. How many know that we need time to make relationships work? And through COVID, you were forced to take that time with wife, forced to take that time with children, forced to take that time and be together. And you, some of you have even said it drove you nuts at first, being cooped up. But that margin and that time, there's benefits. The benefits of, may, of margin or is we're available to be used of God. How many of you and I get so busy to where God comes and taps on our shoulder and asks us to help or asks us to do something, and we're like, God, I'm too busy, I got this going on, and it just passes by. I don't want the voice of God or to be a helper of God to just pass me by. If that's you, give the Lord a hand clap today. You don't want that to pass you by. So, so we we're going to talk about these benefits. How do you build benefits? How do you build these benefits? The first thing, and this is going to rub some people wrong possibly, but we need to accept our human limitations. We need to recognize, admit, and accept that we have personal limitations. The Bible even says in Psalms 119 that I've learned that everything has limits. And that means that we are part of that everything. You know, we're only human. We're not omnipotent. We're not all-powerful. We're not omniscient. We're not all-knowing. We're not omnipresent. We can't be everywhere at once, but yet we try to be. Instead of things take, we're, we're, we're always in a hurry. And here's what I always do. I always under mes, underestimate my ability. I overestimate my ability, and I underestimate how long it takes. How many know what I'm talking about? Well, we think it's five minutes, it's 35, 35 minutes. What we think is one meeting of putting a fire out, it's ten meetings. There's human limitations. You know, it doesn't matter how much you want to sing like the Jonas Brothers. It doesn't matter how much you want to dance like J-Lo. Some of us just are not going to sing like Jonas Brothers and dance like J-Lo because we have human limitations. We don't have that natural ability. Somebody say we can only do what God calls us to do, what he made you to do. So there's personal limitations. We also have physical limits. If I said, who of you could carry one body out of here? Put them on your back and carry one body out of here. Most everybody, if they were put to that test, they could get a body out, especially if your adrenaline's on it and there's a fire going on. But it, what if I said put 10 people on your back and carry them out? We'd be like, we can't do that. We have physical limitations. I don't want us to use, misuse Scripture. A lot of times when I speak about this and I see people overran, they'll be like, well, Brother Brian, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's right. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you and who's calling you to do certain things. 
But there's some things that you can misuse that scripture and you find yourself stressed out with problems, with high debt and challenges and difficulty because we keep taking on more and more saying God will be all my strength. Let's don't misuse that scripture. You also have emotional limitations. We talked about carrying a body out. That one's easy to figure out and easy to uh, apply and understand. We can measure that physical limitation. But emotional limitation's hard to measure. Anybody out there say amen? Like, how many problems can you take on? How many challenges? Is it one? Is it five? Is it 10? Is it 15? Is it 20? See, we can't measure that emotional trauma like we can measure physical, and people are emotionally messed up because they're taking on way too much. Of course, we also have time limits and space limits. The Bible says in Job 14.5, it says that our time is limited. And then it says you, meaning God, that you've given us only so many months to live, and everybody say this out loud, and have set limits. God has set limits that we cannot go beyond. He set limits that we cannot go beyond. You can name it. You can claim it. You can say it. You can keep putting your positive thoughts to it. But God has set limits on what we're to be. Wouldn't it be nice if God would warn us when we're reaching that limit? Wouldn't it be nice if a red light could come on and blink and a beeper would go off saying, 95%, you're about to go on overload. You're about to overheat. You're at your limit. Back off. Well, brothers and sisters, God has given us a warning light. It's called pain. It's called fatigue. It's called anxiety. It's called loss of joy. It's called being irritable. It's called being a horse's hiney. Anybody out there say amen or oh me? You know that you've exceeded the limit when you can't treat people nice and love and be what God's called us. So God has given that to us. Number two, on building margin in our life. One is accept my human limitations. The second thing is expect that you will have problems and you will have challenges. That's why we need to overcome and that's why we need margin. With life, there's so many problems. How many say life doesn't go as planned? You know, to even plan one day, let alone one week, let alone two weeks, one month, five-year plan. Some of you might be good at planning, but how many of our plans go as planned? Nothing, I don't think, hardly anything goes as planned. Nothing goes perfectly. Nothing goes as planned. Expect the challenges. Jesus said in John 16, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. Everybody say, in this world, we will have trouble. Uh, Peter even said, don't think it's strange when temptations and trials come upon you that something odd is happening to you. Uh, so we know that. You know, the problem is we just assume and everybody has their definition of assume. We assume everything is always going to be perfect and right. What could go wrong? I can do this. But we need people around us 
I like it that our board, our church council, isn't a bunch of yes men. They'll ask questions. They'll challenge you. I'll tell Braden and Josh when we have our spiritual leadership and direction of our church, um, I'll tell them, guys, don't hold your thoughts. Tell me what's in your mind because I know that we need to surround ourselves with people that say, what about this? What about that? And I am married to one that says, what about this? And what about that? And sometimes it's like fingernails on the chalkboard. And when I was young, I didn't know what a blessing that was. Somebody say amen. But as I've gotten older, thank God for Carmen saying, what about this? Or what about that? Have you thought about that? I can expect it. The minute I say something, I'm like, got my shield up. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's not quite that bad. But she, she does that. And, man, I'll tell you what, if I'd have listened to her, I'd have gotten a lot less trouble, let me tell you. A lot less trouble. You know, the Bible says that thinking ahead is a mark of wisdom. The Bible says in Proverbs 22, 3, it says the prudent person, the prudent person, he perceives difficulties ahead. In other words, he perceives them, he sees them, he plans for them, and he takes precautions. I love this in Living Bible. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. How many are tired of suffering, suffering the consequences because we're simpletons that just keep plowing forward instead of perceiving difficulties? I remember when we built our house, I'm one that just pushes forward. And I know there's a time for that because I believe if we wouldn't have had tenacity and a pushing forward attitude, this church would have never gotten built. Trust me. It took us four years to build this church because we built it with volunteers. It took tenacity. It took just pure, stubborn determination at times. So I know there's a place for that. But even when I was building my, my house in um, Marengo, I didn't plan ahead, and I wasn't listening probably enough to my wife, but we paid nine months of interest waiting on permits to go through. Uh, a person left that promised to help me get it in the drive. Plus the 2008 house market crashed, and what I was building to sell and get ahead in life, I ended up having to live in it with a $3,100 a month house payment. See, that didn't go as planned. It didn't go as planned. But even if things don't go as planned, let's finish that scripture. Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. You will have trouble. But he said, be of good cheer. Come on. Somebody say, be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. You will overcome because I've overcome. And Jesus said, greater is he that's in us than he that is in this world. I'm telling you, we will overcome. But let's enter into some things with some wisdom. With knowing that these things can happen. Expecting these troubles. Number three. Number three on how to build margin in our lives. Number three is put some space in your schedule. You can't hope for pay space. You can't pray for space. You can't expect space just to happen. And you can't expect somebody else to provide that space. You're going to have to do it. You're going to have to decide. You are the one that's going to have to decide to put space in your schedule. 
to build up some buffer zones in your life, to schedule some you time and some downtime. And that means that we're going to have to have some empty spots in our planner. It means that we're going to have to limit ourselves on some of the things we might like to do, like social media and different things. It, it means that we have to put in some nothing time, some you time, some family time, some friend time, and here's most of all, some God time. It seems like, I hate to say it, but truth's truth. It seems like when we get busy, the first thing that goes is God in a lot of people's life. The first thing that goes is God time. And I'll tell you something else that goes is coming to church. And guys, how many know that it's oh, we got by by watching online video in our homes, but there is nothing better than the gathering. God didn't call us to sit at home and watch online. It's a season. And last week, 48 families, I'm talking to 48 families that are still in the home. That's cool. That's dandy. Do that right now. You may need to do that. But let's don't ever remember that the primary way to meet is to gather together as a church. And let's not forsake that. It's always primary, not secondary. But it seems like that's always like the first thing that gets bumped. And hey, while I'm on that, one time I looked out and I saw people playing soccer on the soccer field on Sunday. And I was like, man, people need to be on church on Sunday. What are they doing out there playing soccer? And I heard the Lord speak to me very clearly, and he said, knock it off. You are not going to change that culture in Chicagoland. You're not going to change that. You can carry a sign. You can pick it. You can tell everybody. You can stand on a soapbox and preach about it. But all you're going to do is shut the kingdom off to people, and they're not going to listen to you. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, counterculture. I said, what do you mean with that? Counterculture is, hey, when you got to go to football practice or soccer or something like that, gather your family together and watch online stream. You can do it any time through the week and at least put God and his word in the center of your family. But here's what I say. Don't make a habit of making that your primary. Let that only be a secondary to when other things don't work out and you just can't make it to church. But how many know that there's sometimes you just can't make the church? And I'm going to tell you something else. Even vacationing. I believe it. I love it when people say, I'm not going to be at church. I'm going to be on vacation. That's important. And I know that, that, that we have cold country up here. And how many know we got to squeeze out our summers and, and enjoy and soak up as much as you can? I'm not one of those rigid, put closed things on the sides of my eyes. I want people to love God. But I'm telling you, when you do have those times of vacation or going and do something, go online. Church on the Rock online, Huntley. Go online with your family and listen. Are you all out there? Say amen. That's what the Lord has told. That's how the Lord's told me to lead this church. Now, if that doesn't agree with how you would lead the church, um, until you lead the church, that's just the way it's going to be, because God has put that on. That's how we're supposed to lead. The, how I'm supposed to lead this church. And I'll tell you, I've had more peace in that. And I'm, we're actually. Do you know Church on the Rock has grown through COVID? 
Guys, 48 families. Look around at the people. 48 families were listening last week. 48. And then it's over 100 through the week. Inside, there was like 50 people. So if it's real hot, you could go inside. We have groups of people listening in Costa Rica. We have groups of people listening in, in Naples, Florida. We have groups of people listening in Casper, Wyoming. Church on the Rock has grown through COVID. So I'm kind of liking God's plan better than my own. See, doesn't go as planned. Our plan's to be rigid. I'm telling you, this rigidness is really getting, getting on my nerves for people that call themselves Christians. Brothers and sisters, there are only certain things that you put the flag of God in on a hill and you don't give that hill up for nothing. That means things like salvation in Jesus Christ. There's no other name in heaven which men can be saved except by Jesus Christ. That means things like uh, 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 there's an eternal heaven and an eternal hell. That's why we have 16 basic fundamental truths at Church on the Rock. But listen to me. When we start hitting the flag in the hill and not giving over political views or not giving any inch and having sympathy and understanding, and also this, some of you older ones that may not like what some of the younger ones do, think what you did when you was young. Give some people a break. I'm telling you, Xing people out on your Facebook and blocking them and telling them you don't like them anymore is not what a church Christian family is supposed to be. A church, Christ, church Christian family loves at all times. Hopes, man, I'll tell you what, if my kids, if they did some stuff and I was like, I'm blocking you, son, and I'm not talking to you anymore because you've offended me and I don't have any respect for you anymore. Is that the way a father is to his son? How about when our children do things that we know aren't scripturally right? Why is it that we have to stick a stake down and dig in and, and be such hard hits? You know, sometimes, even with raising kids, the Lord would tell me, don't discipline right then. Some things just work out. Sometimes love bears with all things, hopes all things, believes all things. And brothers and sisters, as this nation divides, I want the Bible says that they will know that you are Christians by your love. As this church and this nation divides, I pray that this people will come together and we will love and we will be a light so that people will say, man, what a family. They love each other through thick and thin. I don't know why, but that was heavy on my heart today. Heavy on my heart today. It had to be the Holy Spirit prompting that because it wasn't even in my head. Well, I'll tell you what. Pastors have to stand accountable for what they say. And sometimes pastors have to warn their flocks. And brothers, I'm telling you, in the Spirit, there is a division in our land. And it will not get in the church. Let me take my glasses off and tell my kids to look at me. It will not get in the church I will be bold as a lion and I will call people on the carpet if I feel like they're 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 acting in ways that are unbecoming because we have got to stay together as a church personally 
personally, do you realize, I personally think, it, it, it wouldn't surprise me if our nation could be even get in a civil war. You mean, I'm talking back with Abe Lincoln because our nation is fractured. If there became a civil war, I'm not prophesying that, but it wouldn't surprise me because people are choosing sides and they're drawing lines and there's no anything in between. They can't even get along or talk. That is ridiculous, church. And I'm telling you, that spirit will not come in this church. And we, guys, this church isn't something you go to, and a church is not these bricks and the mortar. We are the church. We are the people. And we need to treat one another in love. And we need to treat one another with respect and dignity. I think I can go on. I'm asking the Lord, is that enough or you want to hit it some more? You know what? Honestly, I don't care. I've never cared if we thin, 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 thin the church. Because I believe it's important to speak truth in times when truth needs to be spoken. So, brothers and sisters, the next thing, going back to this message on how to build margin, is something times we need to prune some activities in our life. Prune some activities. Why do gardeners prune trees and plants? So they can get greater productivity, the health of the plant, for the plant's own good, for future blossoms and future fruitfulness in the next season. No pruning, no fruitfulness in the next season. That kept coming to me. You know, there's always new activity that sprouts in our life. Hey, you young people with families, how many new activity sprouts all the time? How many new things you could do happen all the time? So we can't keep new activity. So we gotta, we got to learn to prune so we can support the whole. I've been watching Carmen doing plants. At our, we live in a fifth wheel, and we're, we live full-time in an RV, fifth wheel, because um, we like simple life. But um, she has these plants. Every day she goes in and pulls off the dead ones. She pulls off the dead ones so a new one can come in. But the other thing she does is she pinches off shoots that are going in ways that the rest of the plant isn't. That's those things. There's things in our life that are shooting out in different direction that's not the direction that God's calling us to do. And then the other thing is she also, when these things started, they were real thin, but she kept pruning and kept shaping it. And now these things, months later, are beautiful and they're whole, and they're perfectly formed. Brothers and sisters, that's what we mean about pruning and cutting things back in our life. You know, the Bible says this, that beating and wounds cleanse an evil way, and flogging cleanses the innermost being. I know, that's going to be hard to understand. I, I wouldn't be able to understand if somebody just said that to me. But you know what that means? If we don't periodically prune, or cut things back. Everybody listen to me. Life will do it for you. Circumstances will be doing it for you. We can't push our load over our limit month after month. If we continue that, painful things are going to happen that will wake us up. It might be a, a marriage in crisis. 
It might be a disconnect with kids where they're saying, Daddy, get away. It might be you're never home and your family thinks they don't care anymore. It, it, it might mean that you have a nervous breakdown, what, whatever it is. But it says beatings and wounds cleanse an evil person. Flogging cleanses the innermost people. When I read that, I thought to myself, Brian, how many beatings is it going to take? How many beatings is it going to take for me? How many times are you going to have to be wounded? How many times are we going to wound our kids and wound our relationships we love? How many times are we going to get flogged to get this thing right? Anybody out there say amen. The last thing, the, fit, the last thing is to do less and to trust God more. Do less, trust God more. You know, last week at our, um, we call it airtights, where we meet and set the spiritual direction of the church, and that, that's me and Carmen and Josh and Braden. We meet and set the spiritual direction. Here's what we keep saying. Through this COVID, a lot of stuff has dropped, dropped off this church, and we found out it's stuff we didn't need. And we're not just going to start taking stuff back on just because we always did it. Guys, less is more. Less is more. So in this time is trust God by doing less. Trust God by doing less. Do less and trust God to do more. God can do more in 20 minutes than we can do in 20 years. About the only benefit of being stretched beyond our load is it forces us to trust God. It brings us to our knees. It, it helps us realize that we're up against a, a wall. We might be out of steam or energy. That's about the only good that comes out of being stretched to overload is it forces us to trust God. How many has ever got to that point where you had no choice but to trust him? God wants us to do less and trust him more all the time. One more scripture that's powerful as the praise team comes. One more scripture. This is a, a very powerful scripture to me. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8 through 9. One time the Apostle Paul let his load go past his limit. Anybody out there? Paul, the guy that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, there was a time that his load, what he was trying to carry, went past his limit. He was marginless. And he said this, We think you ought to know this, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble that we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed to the point where they wouldn't throw in the towel. And it went so far, it said it went beyond our ability to be able to endure. And we thought that we would never live through it. In fact, we even expected to die. Here's what I like. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves. Anybody out there? We stopped relying on ourselves, and we learned to fully rely only on God who raises the dead. Let's give the Lord a hand clap for that scripture. He said we quit, we quit relying on ourselves. We learned to trust in God that raises the dead. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Jesus stopped funeral processions. 
A woman that was a widow was bearing her own only son. And resurrected life stopped a dead funeral procession. You may have something that looks dead in your life. You may have something that looks like you're on the road to a funeral and it's never going to get any better. But I'm telling you, you serve the resurrection and the life and his name is Jesus Christ. And he can stop any funeral possession. Paul said we were in trouble, but my deathly trouble where I thought I was going to die met the resurrection and the life. I'm telling you, your situation may stink. It may stink. To the point that they said Lazarus has been dead in the grave three days. Your situation may stink, but Jesus can come walking up to that situation and call your name out and call your number out and your dead situation can come alive because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Hallelujah. He is. Our God can do anything. Our God can do anything. All across this place, begin to lift your hands. Begin to lift your hands all across this place. And say, my God can do anything. Come on, worship Him. Come on, worship Him. Something that's suffered a little bit being outside is worship because there's so many distractions. Right now, I want you to focus on God and wave your hands to Him. And say, my God can do anything. My God can do anything. And right now, the Spirit of the Lord would say unto you that you've been given a measure of faith. That you've been given the exact measurement of faith that can move a mountain. He didn't say busyness could move your mountain. He didn't say work harder can move your mountain. He didn't say that just pressing harder. He said, I've given you the faith to move a mountain. Right now, begin to say, Lord, I receive faith. I receive your faith. I receive that measure of faith. Don't fall into, if it's to be, it's up to be. Because that's way too much pressure and you can't do that. Come on, worship the Lord. Worship the Lord. Come on, worship the Lord. Jesus said, have faith in God. Tell him, say, Lord, I have faith in you. For assuredly, I say unto you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast in the sea. You don't doubt in your heart, but, but you believe those things that you say will be done. And you'll have what you say. Right now, speak to your mountain. Come on, speak to your mountain. Speak to your trouble. Come on. Come on, speak to your mountain. Speak to your problem. God has given you the faith that you could say to that mountain, pick up and move out. Oh, thank you, Lord. Move mountain. Faith moving mountain. So what's your mountain? What's your problem? What's your life need? Right now, God's saying, I can do more if you'll just give me the reins. Faith. Faith is the substance of what you're hoping for. Faith is the evidence of what you're not seeing right now. Right now, across this whole place, I really felt the Lord say, we need prayer today. Across this whole place, across this whole place, just begin to worship the Lord. 
worship the Lord. And I want you to see those things as done. See it as God taking care of it. Paul said, therefore, I fear that a promise would remain of you entering into the rest I have for you. Did you know that God has a rest for you? Paul said, man, I fear you don't get into that rest. That you come short. The gospel was preached to everybody the same. But the Bible says that the word which is heard does not profit if it's not mixed with faith. Right now, I want you to put your faith in God. Ask Him to move that mountain. Move that mountain. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray strength. I pray the gift of faith come in this people today. Lord, I pray they leave encouraged. I pray we leave as one body, one baptism, one spirit, one people. Father, we thank you that we can go through all things for your help, and you're going to help us through it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want everybody to pray this prayer with me. I want everybody to pray this prayer with me. Say, Father, I don't want to be rushed and late and exhausted and irritable all the time. I don't want to have too many irons in the fire. I need your help to get me out of the mess that I get myself into. Ask the Lord, say, Lord, help me. Help me to accept my limitations. Help me to put some space in my schedule, some breathing room and margin in my life. Jesus, I know I can't do it without you. And I need your wisdom. I need your strength. In deciding what matters most, I need you to help me know what I should do. I don't want to waste my life away. Right now, say, Jesus, give me courage to say no to the wrong things and right, yes, to the right things. Let me say yes as if it all depends on you. And finally, Lord, I say, help me trust you. Forgive me for thinking and acting that I could do everything, and it depends on me, because it doesn't. Lord, it depends on you, and I want to have this great faith in you, and I want to quit relying on myself. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand to our feet today. Let's stand to our feet today. Look around you and give somebody a high five or an air hug. Amen. Josh.